Welcome to Commonweal. Welcome to the new school. Uh, I'm really thrilled about today uh, and doing this in conjunction with uh, Mainstream Moms. And I want to thank the Mainstream Moms crew. And Megan, I'll let you start out just introducing uh, Mainstream Moms work in this area. And I also want to say I'm completely thrilled to be standing between two generations of Matsons. And uh, so uh, Megan will start out. Uh, we are recording this for KWMR. And the way we're going to do this is after Megan speaks, and I will briefly introduce Steve Matson, and Steve will give a, a, a history of some of the Bolinas plan work. And then we're going to hear from three wonderful Regenerative Design Institute students who have been playing an incredible role in the community working on this. Uh, and I want to also introduce uh, or just acknowledge uh, James Stark and Penny Livingston Stark from the Regenerative Design Institute and the Garden. And all the, all the RDI crew here, uh, they are making an unbelievable difference in the Commonweal and Bolinas and West Marin community. So it's just such a gift to us all that this is happening. So Megan, you start out and we'll roll here. Psychedelic. Yeah. Psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> um, just briefly, um, the mob had gotten a round of events going in a largely in Point Reyes, Chris Brown's been really leading the way up there. And it's been, um, and I see a lot of faces who've been making the trek uh, to the, largely to the Dance Palace, to Toby's Feed Barn, to West Marin Gym. We've just had a whole series that init initially was this Soup and Solution series where we really came together, had some food, looked at some solutions to the uh, climate crisis and the kind of resource depletion that um, our community is looking at down the road and trying to really get more versed in how we could um, tackle it. <laughs> and so um, as a result of that, that, this really neat coalition and bunch of spin-off activity has been happening in Point Reyes and radiating outward. And so, um, and we've been talking the whole time about, okay, we want this happening in Bolinas, and we want really a West Marin-wide feeling um, to that uh, kind of activity that's been going on. So it was exciting to talk to Michael Lerner one day about um, the possibility of um, joining with the New School, and we really did it around that Annie Leonard amazing event. Um, Annie Leonard, the maker of the story of stuff, which is sort of a uh, watershed moment for communications around the problem and the solutions. Um, so uh, it's just, it's delightful to be in this space and to bring that effort together, and we're looking forward to uh, hopefully many more. And um, a natural, I think, first uh, topic came up when um, we talked about some of the community plan um, life that was uh, kindling again. Uh, David Kimball and Mike Simmons and Steve Madsen and now wonderfully the involvement of the regenerative design students and their um, really top level uh, thinking about uh, 20 and 30 years out. So um, it, it, tonight we'll be looking at a lot of um, the information that my dad has been, <laughs> you know, just pulling together so we could really be in an information gathering phase rather than the sort of more angst-ridden um, decision-making planning phase. So you can relax, just <laughs> gathering information and taking a look at it. So I'm um, really happy this is happening and I'll sit down and I'll tell you, a, a phrase has come to my mind, and I've shared this with Penny and James, who brought the blessing of the Regenerative Design Institute and the Garden to Commonweal and the Bolinas community. But the experience I'm having with the Regenerative Design students, 
is that this is the generation we've been waiting for. This is the generation that those of us who were involved in uh, the work with the Bolinas Community Plan and so forth uh, uh, really have been waiting to show up uh, because this generation is so urgently and profoundly needed. And so, you know, at Commonweal, we do a lot of work with people with cancer and physicians and things like that. And so a lot of our work is with the tragedies of the uh, ecological age in which we live, of, of decline and degeneration. And to see literally this incredible energy for regeneration in the garden and to see it in this extraordinary community of people is so soothing to my soul and being and, and just causes so much joy for me to have the sense that this generation with this vision has shown up. So um, I think there's a kind of a special sweetness for me about sharing with Steve Madsen uh, this experience and with many others in the room, with Vic Amoroso, with Burr Hanneman, with many of those, with Stuart, with many of those of us who came, with Charles Fox, with many of us who came a long time ago uh, and uh, went through the Bolinas community plan process. And now we see this extraordinary energy to move us forward. And it's just in time. It's just in time. So with those thoughts, uh, one of the originators of the Bolinas Community Plan, one of the original visionaries, the architect who actually designed these uh, uh, rooms here at Commonweal, the first Commonweal architect who gave us an architecture that has served us really well for over 30 years. You haven't remodeled it yet. Right. <laughs> it's a very great joy to introduce Steve Matson. Steve? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to start out, um, I'm going to, I wrote a brief summary of where the Blinas Planning Group came from so that I wouldn't spend a great deal of time rambling on about it. So I'm going to read this to you. The genesis of the Blinas Planning Group is the collision of two standard oil tankers just outside the Golden Gate Bridge on a foggy morning in 1971. The one full tanker was holed and poured about 860,000 gallons of oil into the ocean. The resulting oil slick spread north and galvanized a large number of forewarned Bolinas residents into what became an around-the-clock week's effort to prevent the slick from entering the Bolinas Lagoon and to save oil-covered birds. Several individuals headed by Greg Hewlett and Russ Revere saw the need for local management and coordination of this effort and cobbled together an office space and a couple of phones. They soon were running the show talking to Standard Oil, various agencies, the press, and so on. They ordered up materials for oil booms across the lagoon's entrance, cleaged lights for nighttime operation, food for the volunteers, straw, bulldozers, you name it. And they su successfully charged it all to Standard Oil. Nice. At one point, downtown Bolinas looked a bit like a coastal English town before the Normandy invasion. I mean, it was. It was covered with bulldozers, stacks of material, bales of hay, and hundreds of people around the clock. The oil spill is most significant in Bolinas history because it brought together a group of people with a wide range of skills and talents, many of whom had only recently moved or dropped out to Bolinas. And because the enthusiasm from fighting the oil soon after turned its focus toward local politics. 
that enthusiasm became organized under the banner of the newly formed Bolinas Future Studies. Now, there were two major ongoing issues facing Bolinas in 1971. A countywide master plan that was very pro-development, which included such exemplary items as a parkway along the top of Bolinas Ridge to feed development plans on the Bolinas Ridge and all the way up to Point Reyes, and a 400-boat marina in Bolinas Lagoon. I actually ha still have a copy of that original plan, and it's a horrifying thing to, to look at. And it gives, certainly gives me more appreciation for what was stopped here. Also, a large sewage system was, with capacity to handle thousands more people in Stinson and Bolinas, called the Kennedy Plan, had been designed to help implement the master plan and was not far from going out for construction bids. The board of directors of the Bolinas Utilities District supported this plan. The Bolinas Future Studies Group brought about and emboldened by the oil spill experience recognized what these plans would do to Bolinas and set about organizing the community to stop their implementation. In brief, a petition to recall the Utilities Board was circulated. The recall was successful and stop the development candidates were elected to the board. Once on the board, they killed the Kennedy plan and brought into effect the water moratorium. The existing master plan for the area was trashed by not just Bolinas's change of heart, but by a new look at development from the County Board of Supervisors and by those splendid individuals and organizations that were pulling together the regional plan for the Golden Gate National Recreation Area and the Point Reyes National Seashore. In other words, Bolinas, all this was able to happen in Bolinas because a lot was going on elsewhere. There was a general change in the, in the Bay Area, or at least in Marin. Recognizing the void uh, left by the rescinded master plan, Bolinas citizens under the auspices of the Bolinas Utilities District, formed the Bolinas Planning Council, which after convincing the county of its determination and competence, prepared the Bolinas Community Plan. Uh, the original plan was adopted by the Board of Supervisors in 1975. Um, so this, this is a photograph of the, of the board, the new board, um, that changed so much. Um, that was an incredibly heady time, much different from these times. A lot of the same spirit exists, but the difference I noticed is that we had, because we weren't all desperately paying our mortgages and trying to take care of an expensive world, there seemed to be more time to do this. Um, and it was also helped by the fact that uh, an incredible collection of people came, moved to Bolinas many in the late 60s, I came in 1970, uh, less than a year before the oil spill, and uh, there was such a wide range of talents and people who, uh, many of whom came from places they'd seen screwed up by development and progress. I came from one myself, and uh, they just weren't going to let it happen here. So um, the planning group after doing the first, the community-wide plan um, went dormant for a while and then was resurrected in the early, sometime in the 80s. And um, we 
came back together again and did the gridded mesa plan which was adopted by um, the board of supervisors in 84. then it went very dormant until um, recently where meg simons about two years ago decided it was time to uh, simmons my apologies meg um, started realizing that it was time to because things are so different now than they were when the original plan was done, it's time to start looking at the plan and uh, seeing what we might do to it to, make, to update it and make it more effective for what's coming down the pike. So we started having meetings, um, got off to kind of a slow, slow start, I think largely because we were, we were looking too much at the original plan and trying to just rewrite that and got to the point where something triggered and said, let's put the old plan away and let's start truly brainstorming and start first defining what may be coming Bolinas' way uh, in this rapidly changing world and um, start brainstorming for what we might do um, to change that. The one thing that's come out of this, uh, this group is that much of what we talk about is not something that's going to go into a rewritten plan. It's like the planning group is becoming more of a, also a forum for all kinds of subjects um, that are pertinent to this community that, um, that can be discussed and worked on alongside of a plan that is rigidly trying to move forward to rewrite a document in the future. Uh, which, in talking to uh, Steve Kinsey the other day, they're not going to get to Bolinas's rewrite of a plan for about four years, so we have time. Although we do have a local coastal commission, a local coastal plan that we have to deal with. But so um, what I'm here today is to show you basically um, this is a tool that I put together on the computer. Um, What's that? Would you remind us who each of these people are? Oh, yes. It's uh, Robbie, who was the manager at the time, on the left, then Mark Ireland, and uh, Mimi uh, uh, Harris, Orville Shell, Bill Nyman, and Greg Hewlett. And that's got to be Debbie Hewlett standing behind uh, Orville. They look like they just walked up the beach from the oil spill, actually. Um, this, this is from the Bolinas uh, plan, which I have on a CD. This is the, the uh, Bryn County is rewriting the the countywide plan, um, and it's a it's a bit of a mess, I think. But uh, this shows you how they recognize our planning area. And I'm sorry, I don't have a pointing, but pointer. But so that is the area that we will be concentrating on. Uh, in our studies and uh, heading toward any sort of a rewrite of our local plan. This is just an example of the number of areas that we must look at. And I have 12 areas here and the uh, RDI group has 14, so I'm behind. So I want to stop Steve here and just say that what we're seeing visibly for the radio audience 
It says Bolinas community sustainable at the center of a circle. And then the issues are water, food, energy, economy, healthcare, government, transportation, environment, culture and arts, education, spiritual and shelter. So a quite comprehensive vision of what a resilient, sustainable community needs to address. So um, on the left is the, it's the original map that I did and it's, it was a very poor scan. So it, 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 was, it was better than what's demonstrated here. But that's back in the days of uh, pen and pencil and paper. I put together the one on the right um, and I call that the master. Um, it contains all of the information that, that I was available to me and then I had the patience to actually put together into a file. This is all in the computer. There are many layers of information. And I cobbled it together um, starting with a CD from the county which included topography, all of the parcels, in other words a definition of, of um, all of the parcel ownerships in Blenus in as of 2007 and um, right-of-ways or roadways and so on. Um, so, and each parcel is, I made it so it's an individual element and so it can be eliminate, illuminated with different color and so on to represent different uh, attributes in, in future as I've done in, in these drawings. Um, and it's also tied into, each parcel is tied into the uh, parcels assessors map so you can you can go get information about each parcel in there. I then used um, county aerials to uh, go in and find uh, ponds and uh, public buildings. I, I don't show any private uh, buildings or driveways. Um, uh, and so, but this, from this file, this file can be manipulated in many different ways to represent um, a collection of various information that can be studied and maybe some conclusions, conclusions could be drawn from that and then it can be used to present ideas to others. This is an example of everything being stripped away but topography and I just like it because it's nice to look at the landscape without all of our stuff on it. And as you can see there's some information that I'm missing. I've got to get some more topography from the, from the county. This is a drawing with a topography re removed um, and it highlights Bolinas and the parcels within it. Um, if you're talking about doing anything on the Bolinas landscape, uh, you're talking about affecting a parcel and therefore an owner, for example. Um, and each parcel has these various attributes of size, soil, slope, drainage, vegetation, so on and location. Um, if you're looking at a future project, the owner's pro profile becomes very important. Um, does that owner uh, relate to the community? Is he for maybe some ideas that might be presented? Um, or is he going to fight you tooth and nail? So down the line, <laughs> putting together proposals, the owner's profile it will be very important. This just shows uh, the original zoning 
and these A, <clears throat> A10s and 20s and 60s represent that you could have one unit per, uh, per 10 acres or one unit per 60 acres. The uh, drawing on the right shows what the, is proposed in the current uh, master plan, county master plan, uh, that is something that we've got to look at and it's just proposed. It hasn't been uh, reviewed and accepted by the um, Coastal Commission. So there are issues there that have to be looked at. And here again, it's a tool where you can easily, if you're, if you're looking at various parcels and so on, you can see just which parcel is in which zoning. This describes uh, the utility district, uh, the BPUD. Um, it shows all the parcels that are in, the parcels that are out. <clears throat> the portion up above is the, uh, the land that the district acquired in, what year was that? Way back. Yeah, it was, it was uh, <laughs> not really sure when it was acquired, 68, something like that maybe? And it was acquired, it was acquired because it might be a potential dam site, so. Yeah. Now it's just a nice piece of land with a, this shows Bolinas um, private and government. And this, this starts to go from the, uh, the overall map. And I've, I've broken Bolinas down into its sort of main areas, <clears throat> just because if you're working on something, it's easier if you can focus. Uh, and this is obviously the North Mesa, that area. I'm, I'm sorry, the whole thing has been rotated 90 degrees to fit on here, so. Um, but this just represents an area uh, and it's useful, this drawing being useful for studying that specifically. You can see in here the parcels and the only thing I've done in, in private lands is put in the, and this is off of Google or, or some area photographs, the existing crop fields and the farms that go up into Paradise Valley. This is what I call the southern planning area, because this is where all the action is in Bolinas. I mean, Bolinas is, for the most part, what it is because of what goes on here. Um, it's where most of the people live. It's where we get this, this great mixture of, of uh, people and characters and, and issues. Um, there was some point in which I realized that probably the best thing that ever happened to Bolinas was this god-awful uh, subdivision brought here by Mr. Smadback in 1927, where he took this beautiful open dairy farm and uh, subdivided into 6,000 plus uh, 20 by 100 lots. You can imagine how we would have fought that today. Um, but Imagine what Bolinas would be without that and what it's provided in terms of mix and, and uh, influence on this community. Uh, I think it's, there should be a bronze statue somewhere to Mr. Smedley. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it's over in San Anselmo. Yeah, well, yeah. of course, he's the one that tried to sell it. Yeah, we won't go into that now. And here's another example of focusing on an area. Um, some of the issues that start coming up in this is <clears throat> is the working harder on uh, developing a pedestrian bicycle path system in Bolinas. 
and how, um, I know Vic is going to object to this, but how the, the Mesa might use more the uh, sewage ponds um, for circulation between the Mesa and the downtown and down also down and toward the school. Um, so this is, these are mostly paths that are already there. I've thrown in a few um, extra suggestions. Um, there's, a, there's another issue that is going to face Bolinas at some point, and that is when, when uh, Terrace Avenue eventually falls into the ocean, which it's going to. Um, what does Bolinas do then? Um, this would be a drawing that you could start doing studies on. Um, and anything you did would be crossing parcels <laughs> with owners. And uh, it would be a hot issue. But that's, that's one purpose of a detailed drawing like this. This is downtown Bolinas um, showing just the parcels and the right-of-ways. Uh, those are the legal description of how much area is given away for roads. Um, I am showing the, this one for some reason shows the commercial buildings. Um, <clears throat> and it shows burnt, the new Burnt Park and the tennis courts park. The light green area is the Little Mesa <clears throat> and the green is actually owned uh, by the Highlands Association. It's a separate and sort of private uh, ownership. I suppose they, if they wanted to, they could put a, uh, a gate on that. And this is, <clears throat> this is the- uh, Hold on, Steve, there, there, just hmm? to clarify, could you flip back one? Yeah. Uh, so I think people weren't quite clear about, are you saying the Little Mesa is owned by the Highlands Association? The green, the green area, the green, what's that? Oh. Ah, I'd love to have that, please. Thank you. Oh, 10 minutes, I'll know how to work the thing. Well, okay. Uh-oh, here it goes. Oh, I give up. Okay, there we go. The green, the light green, is, are the parcels that are within the Highlands Association. That is a, uh, I, I couldn't describe to you all the legal ramifications, of it, but it's like, a, a, uh, homeowners association. a homeowners association that actually owns that land. They have, they have their own separate agreement with the fire department, probably with the police, um, and they maintain their own roads and so on. This is just the downtown with all the buildings um, and um, begins to show you the parking so that you can, it could be the beginning of, of a detailed study of a part of downtown. Um, this one is something that that I've done on my own outside of the uh, planning group. Um, so you can blame any of this on me. I started as a member of the land trust started, um, uh, well, there we go, wanted to look at our uh, area in front of the, the Gibson house. I wanted to start studying that and I got out of control. And, <laughs> and this is the existing parking right here. That, those stripes, and I started looking at that. I started looking at the lack of connection uh, over here and around, um, uh, and I also saw the potential of connection here. I basically 
wanted to see, do a study that would pull all of this together, resolve that parking, tie the downtown uh, park <coughs> across into the uh, people's store, get more Bolinas and more access to the uh, people's store and so on. Um, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with this. But it's an example of a detail. Okay, and this is just it concentrates on, and I will go quickly through this, uh, concentrates on the Molinas gridded mesa. This is where it started getting into some of my earlier exercises, getting into breaking the parcels down by ownership, owner's addresses. And you can see it breaks down Bolinas in-state, out-of-state, so on, and then also uh, non-residential in the government, BPUD, and organization, and so on. This shows the parcels by ownership that do not have water meters. You can draw all kinds of conclusions from that. Um, and this, I just threw a purple on all of the parcels without water meters. The one thing that occurred to me when, I, when this came up finally on the screen, it reminded me of, of World War II victory gardens and how somehow down the line these these parcels, many of them might be used for the con to fulfill the concept of Victory Gardens. So we're certainly going to have to be growing our own fruit uh, in the near future. That's pretty obvious. Um, this was a, taking the what's called the uh, Alder Creek Drainage Way setback, which was came out of the uh, Gridded Mesa plan. It has uh, special. This area has special significance because of its drainage and the potential effect on the Duxbury Reef. Um, so I included all the parcels that are within or encroach into that drainage way. This is an example of a specific use of this where the red, I highlighted the red parcel. Um, I did, again, this was done on my own uh, along with David Kimball so I can bring him into this. Um, I used, we, we used this to demonstrate how the consideration for an application of that red parcel for wells and uh, other activity, how it would become a precedent for all of the other parcels uh, in the drainage way. Um, these, this went with letters, went to the Board of Supervisors, and I think it had some influence to at least positively from my position on that issue. This is just an example of how you can zoom in to a detail. This showed that parcel's application for wells and how the 100-foot setback for septic tanks would affect uh, adjoining parcels. So I use those not to, to push that issue at all, but just to show the many ways that this tool can be used for many different purposes. I'd now like to introduce um, an incredibly inspiring group that came into the, the uh, planning group's lives uh, not too long ago. Uh, Larissa and Ian and Jesse are three members of the uh, uh, Regenerative Design Institute. They, uh, working with the planning group, did a project, um, you call it the design the, what was the project name? Uh, it was, the nickname was Bobo Link. Bobo, okay, okay. Um, which is a bird, also. So, 
So they were a part of, th of seven students that put together this project, and I got involved with them because they used some of these files to manipulate them to demonstrate uh, some of the problems and, and some of their proposed solutions. Um, you know, what they are proposing has nothing to be afraid of. It's, it was an exercise, um, but out of it came certainly a, lot, a great deal of inspiration for my somewhat cynical and jaundiced eye. Um, it was nice to get some incredibly brilliant, youthful takes on what's going on, and uh, I'm very appreciative of that. So I will pass this on to you to uh, show your project. Thank you, Steve, very much. Thank you. Thank you. So, Steve Matson, thank you. That wonderful work uh, and really uh, clarifying of uh, the history and where we stand. I'm going to briefly introduce these uh, three partners of the Regenerative Design Institute. Uh, Larissa Conte came to Bolinas a year and a half ago for a work trade position at the Commonwealth Garden. She remained in town to take the nine-month Regenerative Design and Nature Awareness Program and will continue for a second year of RDNA in the fall. Inspired by her passions for youth, community, and connectedness to nature, Larissa plans to concentrate on launching a teen program with Regenerative Design Institute in the fall, as well as continuing her work with the Community Plan Board. She has a master's degree in cultural philosophy of the environment from Stanford University. Ian McLaird was born here in Bolinas and has returned after graduating from UC Santa Cruz to continue his education of permaculture and nature awareness at the Regenerative Design Institute. It is through RDI that Ian connected with the Bolinas community, uh, with the Bolinas Planning Committee, and worked on the Bobo Link design project being presented today. Ian continues to interact with the Planning Committee to provide resources necessary for the town of Bolinas to design itself a beautiful future. Within the community design, Ian has worked on the water sector and has exercised community building skills around youth programs and mentoring. He's committed to improving and regenerate, regenerating the people and environment around him. So watch out, Bolinas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jesse Servi recently graduated from her second year of the Regenerative Design and Nature Awareness Program at the Regenerative Design Institute in Bolinas. She's been immersed in mentoring for the last two years and has spent her whole life mentoring and supporting the young and her family. Her love of nature has brought her to West Marin, where she's committed to building community. She helped create and structure Permaculture Marin. She's involved in the Bolinas Community Planning Group and the Bolinas Land Trust and has designed and is managing the Food Forest Project at the Livery Stable Permaculture Garden in Point Reyes Station with West Marin Commons. She has a bachelor's degree in interior design from the University of Minnesota Twin Cities and grew up in Wisconsin. So welcome to you all three. Thank you, Michael. Um, so to give a quick description of what this design emerged out of, as a part of the Regenerative Design and Nature Awareness Program that we were involved in this last uh, school year, there were seven of us, including Ian and myself, um, who took a permaculture design to an audacious level and looked at a community scale. Normally in a permaculture design course, people focus on uh, home plots or maybe like a farm or something a little larger, but to take it to the community level was something that stretched our imaginations 
and gave us the amazing opportunity to make connections with the community. And Jessie was working along with us uh, with her interest in co-housing and as a resident and dedicated community creator. Um, so her work contributed to this in great ways as well. So here you see our design group mission and intentions uh, for this project were to provide the planning group with a breadth of regenerative design options to inform a plan for community self-sufficiency. Uh, the self-sufficiency aim was what the planning group had articulated, and we took that uh, step further to create um, a beacon of ideals to aim for in this plan, as articulated below, um, which we can't really take credit for. It's the articulation of MCAT Anderson from Tending the Wild in describing um, tendencies in indigenous cultures. So we thought they're really wonderful and we said the unifying themes of this design are positive and life-affirming. They're mutual care, generosity, sharing, neighborliness, festivity, gratitude, abundance, and ceremony. So as we began looking at um, how to even tackle design for a community, um, we came up with, along with the planning group, these areas to look at how you even create visions for a community in all of them. And I'm not sure exactly which, them? sure. So they're pretty much all the same as what were on Steve's slides. And I don't know what the two outliers are. Um, for all, this is an awareness test now. So for all of you, memory recall. You win a biscuit, they're at the front door. <laughs> so our extra ones on this slide for the listeners are water, healthcare, food, housing and shelter, aesthetics, the environment and natural systems, culture and arts, community, psychology and spirituality, government, energy, education, economy, and transportation and mobility. And as we began delving into this, we realized two major things. One, <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than we thought. And two, they're all interconnected. So with only five months available and uh, seven people's effort and participation, we decided to tackle um, just six of those sectors. So we chose water, food, environment and natural systems, community, government, and economy. And in the next slide, you can see Steve highlighted the zoning um, classifications for Bolinas Peninsula on one of his earlier maps. And to make a distinction, these are permaculture zone classifications of the peninsula, which is an observation tool that helps you realize what's so right now, not what you're allowed to do there. Um, traditionally, in a permaculture design, uh, zones are classified by activity and frequency of use. So that zone one normally occurs closest to the house. It's where you'd have your herb garden. You go there multiple times a day, sometime. Um, whereas zone five, stretching all the way out, would be your wilderness area of your house, where you might go one time a year. So for these, um, to adapt this to the community scale was certainly challenging for us, but we took a stab at it. And in red, you see zone one, which is what we defined as where the community resides. These are homes and personal spaces. And for those of you who live on Horseshoe Hill, you're probably like, wait, you forgot Horseshoe Hill. 
Um, we were <laughs> we were taking this from a community perspective, so that it's really uh, focusing on density. Where's the densest population? And if you imagined zooming out and taking an overhead view of ants perhaps moving around. Where are the flows? Where is most of that energy concentrated? So please don't take offense. <laughs> it's not personal. It's just observation. Uh, zone two in the purple, as you can see, dappled a little in the downtown area and then Mesa Park are community spaces, places where people gather. They're highly used common spaces, places of show, sale, and trade. Then zone three in the mustard color are spaces of foundational importance to community viability, such as agricultural land, school, water district, energy production, waste collection and processing, with frequent use by some of the community. Then zone four in the green are spaces with low levels of maintenance and visitation. These spaces hold the opportunity for resource collection, i.e. water collection or wild foods or sustainable forestry. And then zone five are spaces with little community interaction that are rarely explored, and there are some human trails, but mostly animal trails. So this was how we used Steve's maps to describe what was going on, and then we developed, after a lot of work, <laughs> this design, which we called our 20-year um, Bolinas Peninsula regeneration design. And you can see the key on the lower right-hand corner. And the gift of having all the layers on Steve's maps were to see those spaces where the lines that we have drawn on the land, um, how they intersect with the lines that express the land's character. So the, the greatest attribute you can think of with that is topography versus streets. Um, so that if you look down, um, a really good example of this is looking at the Jack's Creek area over here on the um, left side of the peninsula, which I luckily have a laser. <laughs> and so that we um, sometimes take slope into account in what we're doing, but to really know that areas of high slope there in Jack's Creek and along the seashore and um, buttressing all of the little mesa, you know, we suggested that those are, you know, not be focused on potential development sites, but more that they're opportunities for sustainable forestry and wildlands tending. And so that um, these are just, this is just a reminder also, these are just suggestions <laughs> um, of what we saw uh, and to give creative options to the town. And so my, my personal focus in this project was looking at the environment and natural systems. So how to have a place for all of our other neighbors that, you know, we might not get as miffed at <laughs> as the Johnsons next door. Um, uh, but how to really create thoroughfares through the town, because um, Bolinas has, is blessed to have wildlife and wilderness all around it. So the next slide. We like to think that um, we as humans don't really exist as part of the environment all the time, but we are an animal as well and intimately connected to them. So we aimed in our design to really highlight this articulation of MCAT Anderson again, that human cultures that establish intimate relationships with plants and animals time and again informed and dictated the elements of harvest and management, and these practices eventually led to some measure of ecological harmony.
as we um, review the southern peninsula, um, zoom in, um, you can see more detail of the plan, um, the suggested plan, and highlighted um, in the purple dotted line, which is sort of difficult to see, um, you will observe that there's wildlife corridors existing throughout the, um, the residential areas. Um, this is a concept. <laughs> yeah, so this is a concept uh, important to permaculture, um, which is the integration of uh, human activity and um, with natural systems. Um, so it was fundamental in our design to observe uh, where wildlife was um, and is and where hopefully it will remain. So um, taking um, wildlife corridor and habitat into account um, was very important in our uh, design. So um, observing the, uh, the communal plots in the backyard gardens, um, as Steve has um, highlighted about the, uh, the concepts of the victory gardens and whatnot. Um, if we notice that the backyard gardens um, are highlighted in red, or the, the, the plots with uh, meters, um, residential plots, um, there's great potential for you know, water catchment as well as um, you know, victory gardens or growing our own food. So um, to delve into some of the visible um, aspects of permaculture, um, some of the more tangible and physical attributes. Um, if you take water, um, for example, and um, you crunch some numbers, um, if this is simply to catch the water off your roof as one tool of increasing the amount of water um, available for Bolinas. As we know, um, water is scarce in Bolinas um, and somewhat governs our town. Um, so how to increase the amount of water available, um, yet um, respect the political boundaries um, that have been established. So, um, you know, 30 to 40 inches is an annual rainfall for Bolinas. Um, if you take the, all the residential lots from the last mat and you average the size of the homes um, and the average roof size, what you will observe is that we could potentially triple the amount of water available for Bolinas and for um, the use of our town if um, simple things like um, basins, water basins, or tubs, or ponds were um, implemented to catch the water off the roofs. Um, so potentially every metered lot or every residential um, space on the Big Mesa um, could catch the water off their roof as one form of um, water catchment and we could triple the um, the amount of water available for Bolinas. Uh, similarly, um, if every if every lot, residential lot, um, was growing food in their backyards or every um, lot without a water meter uh, could potentially become gardens as well. Um, using some more calculations um, we could feed up to 900 people, potentially more, um, with solely the land available in the Big Mesa. Um, so these are some examples of how um, 
to grow some of that food. This is a apple tree guild. Um, these are simple permaculture concepts about um, growing, growing multiple um, food items together, uh, food forests, um, how to grow food in multiple levels of the canopy. Um, this is one example of an apple tree guild and what you could be grown um, in the same space as apple tree. So, um, so solely looking at the space available on the big mesa um, and using simple techniques um, such as uh, implementing home scale gardens or community gardens as well as water catchment um, examples um, on the home scale, uh, we could increase the amount of food and water available to Bolinas um, by quite a bit. So, the, uh, the Alder Creek setback, which was highlighted earlier um, by Steve, is also um, a major space for improvement um, and could be, um, could be farmed and maintained uh, in a way that would improve the community. Um, this is an example of several um, guilds or species that could be grown in the Alder Creek setback. Um, you know, plants such as willow or uh, red, red osier dogwood, shiitake mushrooms, um, elderberries. Um, these are all fairly low maintenance plants that could be grown um, for the community use. And if you observe the, um, the detailed southern peninsula, you can see the Alder Creek setback roughly outlined there. Um, as a space um, available for water catchment, potential ponds, um, potential communal gardens, um, growing food, fodder, um, fibers, um, seven Fs. <laughs> and, uh, and it could also be a space um, for communal paths, um, you know, integrating these uh, harvestable patches of gardens. And um, so you will observe cultural nodes along those paths um, and that is a way, those trails are a way of bringing the community closer together as well as um, decreasing our dependency upon car use and being that we're blessed with the, the small space where we live, um, it's likely that more people would walk and ride their bikes if we had um, more trails and more community space. So. Community is something that's really dear to my heart. Um, and a man named Jim, Jim Leach spoke, community is the secret ingredient of sustainability. And so in this project, uh, we took a look at what we could do to help build community, not only in Bolinas, but in West Marin um, and in Marin in general. And why should we consider community? I don't know if some of you are familiar with Mark Lakeman in the City Repair Project in Portland. Um, they're doing great work up there. And he said that effective action requires cooperation. And for us, cooperation means we need to know our neighbors. We need to know who our community is. Um, and we need to, you know, like each other. If we don't have the same uh, ideas about things, at least we can find some, some common ground. And so looking at this, chart here, uh, we see strong community. 
And what does it mean to be a strong community? Well, it means that we have emotional well-being, that we trust each other, that we're coming from a place of creativity, that we're confident, that uh, we're balanced as well as what around us is balanced. Um, we have resiliency. Um, so again, that we're operating from a place of creativity. And from this, we can look at our regenerate, regenerative capacity. Uh, and found in communities with a strong web of interconnectedness and relationship. Uh, thoughtful communities that design process can foster powerful social relations. So looking at building community in uh, Alder Creek restoration, looking at pathways, this is just one example that uh, we came up with based on the city repair project and the availability of some local resources to put into effect Bobo Tea Horse. So what its purpose would be would to uh, facilitate community by allowing us to cross paths with each other, creating little nodes where we can bump into each other and meet each other and get to know each other. Uh, and the conversations in light of what's been happening in our community lately, we've been talking about let's turn on our front porch lights and go back out in the streets and reclaim our community and create a place that we all want to be, not a, a downtown area that we all avoid, but a place that we like to go and a place that we choose to go with our friends and with our family. So this tea horse idea is one way in which we can do that. Uh, it can be a place in which kids can engage in the creativity of it, um, in the creation of it. Uh, it uh, provides local, uh, local jobs for people. If you have a service you want to run through the tea house or tea horse, um, soups, teas, whatever it is. Um, this could be downtown and a focal point downtown or it could be at any of those spots up on the mesa where they're just vacant lots right now. Um, being mobile, it can move around as well. So looking at the overall plot here and talking about community, there are some key places, like I mentioned, downtown, which is a, a great cultural node for our community, but also looking at um, some of the educational cultural nodes. We have um, RDI out here in Commonweal, and as well as taking back some of the, what are now vacant lots on the Mesa to, to build community. Um, as well as looking at some alternative housing options for West Marin in general. Uh, who here is familiar with the term co-housing? Oh, lots of hands. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. So co-housing is a, um, basically a cooperative way of people who, who live together, who, um, let's see, it's a type of collaborative housing which residents actively participate in the design and operation of their neighborhoods. So it's the vision of, of taking and reclaiming back your neighborhood and having it be designed by you. You get to choose what you want to have there and have it be an expression of the people who are living there. And so looking at um, costs of living in Marin, I know several, myself and several of my friends being young people in this community, it's impossible to think about um, the security of living here long term. But, but we also really love this place and would love the opportunity to stay here. And so. Um, looking at what options are available to us, co-housing is, is an option. Um, so some possibilities that we can do in West Marin would be retrofitting existing homes, taking down some of those fences in between to create more of a, a community feel, um, 
lots of people have houses or sheds or outbuildings, you know, making that sort of a intentional community environment where you share meals and you share values and you um, interact with the younger generation as well as the older generation. Um, there's shared ownership, tenancy in common, shared equ equity agreements. Um, we can use available land to meet community agriculture and housing needs. Uh, looking at a lot of uh, agriculture in this town, I know it's one of the reasons why I fell in love with this place is the fact that being close to my food source is really important to me. And so we have this amazing resource of this land and these farms uh, in Bolinas and in West Marin. So making sure that the people that live and work in those farms have shelter and have a place over their head uh, as well as, as others. Um, okay. Um, so looking overall, maybe you can just skip this one. Um, just real briefly, I guess, looking at government domains um, on the map is a way of looking at, well, all of these maps are ways of looking at what are visible structures, but there are also in permaculture invisible structures, and those are things like community and uh, government as well as economy. And so we also looked at those in our uh, design and looked at ways in which we can help inspire um, people to have vibrancy in this community and keep the economy local. Um, and this graph shows that. So, Thank you three very, very much. Mm -hmm.